My brothers and sisters in the Lord, on this Mother's Day, I was thinking about some of the things that my mother taught me over the years. My mother taught me how to pray. You better pray that comes out of the carpet. <laughs> my mother taught me genetics. You're just like your father. My mother also taught me various other things, but probably the most important thing that she taught me was my faith. And my mother was an individual who allowed the faith to come alive within our family so it could be passed on to us. As we celebrate this feast day of the Ascension, my brothers and sisters, how do we make it come alive in your life and in mine? as we celebrate the fact that Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father, the glory of heaven where we hope to fall. Certainly, my brothers and sisters, for this feast day to come alive, we go back to sacred scripture. And we go back to our first reading, which is taken from the Acts of the Apostles. Now, St. Luke wrote the Gospel as well as the Book of Acts. And if you look at the two, oftentimes we can see that in many ways they're sort of both parts of the same book. Because in the Gospel, St. Luke speaks about certainly the life, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord. And then towards the end, his post-resurrection appearances and his teachings to the apostles and his disciples before his ascension. And our first reading from the book of Acts is from the first chapter and in many ways it is a transition chapter because you will notice that it is written to a Roman official, the same official that Luke writes to in his gospel. Because the book of Acts, while the gospel speaks about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the book of Acts is speaking about the life of the early church. And we look at that this morning, my brothers and sisters, we can learn some very important things about our call to truly be missionary disciples, to be joyful disciples and joyful witnesses of the Lord each and every day of our lives. It begins in the first book I dealt with what Jesus did and taught until the day he was taken up. You see, my brothers and sisters, that first 40 days after the celebration of Easter is the first 40 days that leads us to this feast day of the ascension of the Lord, where Jesus appears to his apostles to assure them he is not dead, but he is alive. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. And in those post-resurrection experiences, he continues to teach his disciples until we see today where he gives his final instructions before he's taken up to the glory at the right hand of his father. And we see the book of Acts continues. While meeting with them, he enjoined them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father about which he had heard me speak. And that promise would be the promise of the Holy Spirit, 
because 10 days after the ascension is the great feast of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But we notice, my brothers and sisters, that in this transition chapter, this first chapter of the book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles, we notice some very important characteristics for our life as joyful missionary disciples. Notice what Jesus says to them right there in the beginning. He enjoined them not to depart to Jerusalem, but wait for the promise, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's the first principle. The first principle is God's time. Sometimes God says go, sometimes God says stop, sometimes God says wait. And oftentimes when God says wait, my brothers and sisters, we often become very squirmish because we don't like to wait. I often think about myself, you know, when you go, I know myself, probably doesn't apply to you, but you know if you go to the grocery store and you only have like three or four items and then the person in front of you only has a few items and you think, I'm going to get through this line really fast. And so he or she is checking out. And then they have to get out their coupons. And so you're waiting for all the coupons to go through. And then they have two canned items, and they ring up 99 cents, and they're arguing with the cashier because the sign said 98 cents. So they're over, and over two cents, and you're still waiting. You know, and then you think they're going to pay with a credit card or maybe cash, but then they have to write a check. But then they don't want to give the cashier the check to run it through the machine. They want to handwrite it. And by this time, you know, my blood is just boiling. We're very impatient people. But God needs us to wait sometimes because sometimes, my friends, we're just not prepared. Spiritually, in our own prayer life, many times we have to wait because the circumstances are not right. And the Lord knows that if we go in with the heart that we have, we're going to cause more damage than if we waited. It's all about God's time. And many times, the Lord's telling us to wait. To be, as I like to say, prayed up before we go in. The first principle. Continuing on from the book of Acts. When they had gathered together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Once again, my brothers and sisters, the disciples are still focused on a physical kingdom. The kingdom of Israel, the overthrowing of the Roman government. And in a few moments, the Lord's going to shoot that out of the water because he's going to tell them, you're going to go to all the ends of the earth. That's the second principle. First is God's time. The second is God's will. As we pray in the Our Father, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And many times, my brothers and sisters, we, it's very hard for us to conform our will to God's will because sometimes God says we need to bend and we don't want to bend. And sometimes God needs us to bend almost to the point of breaking and trust that he's going to provide. But it's about God's will. It's about conforming ourselves to what God desires of us so that we can be those witnesses to the good news of great joy. God's time, God's will. 
Jesus continues on in our first reading. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's the third principle. And what do we discern in that principle? It's God's way. Because oftentimes, my brothers and sisters, we like to do it my way. But God says, no, it's got to be His way because He knows what is for our good. And we might think it's sort of an unimportant sentence there, but Jesus had a reason. And if you know the cultural context, you know when Jesus gave those instructions, the disciples probably got very, very squirmish because He said, you're going to be my witnesses first in Jerusalem. Well, that's where Jesus was crucified. Many of them wanted to hightail out of Jerusalem. But you're going to start in Jerusalem. And then you were going to go to Judea. Now, Judea is the countryside that surrounds Jerusalem. And for us to think about how Judea is, remember that the disciples were from Galilee. They were Galileans. And the Galileans and the Judeans, they didn't feel like they were from the same social status. You know, if you were from the countryside of Judea, you were kind of from uptown. And if you were from Galilee, you were below downtown. But he wanted them to go there first. And then, of course, to Samaria. Well, none of them wanted to go to Samaria. They hated the Samaritans. Because they were the ones who intermarried with the pagans. They were not pure Jews. But it had to be God's way in order for His will to be fulfilled. And you see, my brothers and sisters, when God's way and God's will and God's time come together and we're faithful to that, then we can be His witnesses to the ends of the earth. We can fulfill the plan that God calls us to do. And what does it mean to be His witnesses? It means to testify, not sit on our tufts. Look what Jesus says in the gospel, the first verse from St. Mark. Jesus says to his disciples right before the ascension, go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. I was looking through sacred scripture this week and some of the examples of where Jesus uses the word go. Go preach, go tell, go work, go into the highways, go into the next town, go into the country, go to the other side, go into the deep, go into the streets, go into the city, go into the village, go to the lost sheep, go call your husband, go make it right with your brother, go and learn, go quickly, go in peace, arise and go. You see, my brothers and sisters, that is the call. But for us to be those disciples to be able to go, then we have to open our hearts to God's grace. Align ourselves to God's will and God's way and God's timing and be prepared to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So we have the strength to be able to go. Do we do that, my friends? Some time ago, I saw Camelot on Broadway. Many of you probably have seen it on stage or a movie or in literature, but as you know, Camelot, of course, the story of King Arthur. I don't know if you know this or not, but King Arthur, he didn't like to make decisions. He always relied on his trusty assistant, Merlin the Magician. That was his confidant. 
And so everything goes on, and when they got to the end of the performance, of course, everything was in turmoil. The knights of the round table were all fighting with one another. Lancelot and Guinevere were having an affair. And King Arthur didn't know what to do. And some of his last lines went something like this, and I'm paraphrasing, Merlin, where are you when I need you to make these decisions? Because at this time, at the end, Merlin is dead. An author has to make certain decisions. My brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit comes to us to help us, to lead us, to guide us, to restore us, to renew us. But if we don't conform ourselves to God's way and God's will and God's time, those important principles, then we can never have our heart truly open to the coming of the Spirit. And we can never truly be those joyful missionary disciples. I have a friend of mine who often answers the question when someone asks, what do you do for a living? This is what she says. She says, I am a disciple of Jesus disguised as a legal secretary. That's all of our call. I'm a disciple of Jesus disguised as a teacher. I'm a disciple of Jesus disguised as a doctor. I'm a disciple of Jesus disguised as a lawyer. I'm a disciple of Jesus disguised as a nurse. I'm a disciple of Jesus disguised as a mom, a father, whatever it is. And when we understand that, then we can go and proclaim the good news. My brothers and sisters, on this feast day of the Ascension, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus in the glory of heaven. And let us keep striving and struggling to be the disciple the Lord calls us to be so that we can pass on our faith to those around us.